four, three, two, one. Yes, sir. Spotlight on truth. Today's date, March 21st, 2020. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, who came to us in the person of Master Father Muhammad, the Great, Great Mahdi, and in the name of the Exalted Christ, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and in the name of uh, the, the Great, Great Representative of the Honorable Minister of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I greet all of you with the greeting words of peace of Assalamu alaikum. I am your host, student minister Abdul Iman Muhammad, and today we are thankful to Allah to have our next episode of the Spotlight on Truth, highlighting people and places and community issues that have affected us and do affect us, and the solutions to those issues. We also highlight the words and teachings of our leader, teacher, and guide, the national representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, our man, who is raised up by Allah for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the present day Jesus Messiah, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I greet you again with the ancient words that contain the vibration of peace in the Arabic language. Assalam alaikum. Now we have our great brother who uh, is our helper here in Phoenix to me as student assistant minister here at Muhammad Mosque number 32, brother student minister Hannibal Muhammad, our co-host and technical director and co-producer of Spotlight on Truth. Today, we have a special guest who is no stranger to those who follow this great work of resurrection and salvation of a lost and destroyed black people. Our great brother hailed out of Indianapolis, uh, in, in, Indianapolis, Indiana, our great brother, brother student minister, Nuri Muhammad. Welcome brother student minister, Nuri. Oh, thank you so much, uh, brother Abdul Iman and brother Hannibal. It is an honor and a privilege to share space and time with two wonderful brothers on this most important of all platforms that spotlights truth. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. For our listening and viewers, we want to give them a little background on yourself. Uh, Brother uh, Nuri Muhammad is a speaker, author, community organizer, and also serves as the resident minister of Muhammad Mosque number 74 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Brother Nuri is, is known for his messages that have a balanced mix of inspiration and information. He is recognized as one of one with a gift to collaborate scripture science, and history in a user-friendly way. One of his greatest skills sets is his ability to make at-risk ch children dream. Brother Nuri visits 40 to 60 cities a year, speaking in high schools, colleges, prisons, churches, and community events of every kind. Brother Nuri's messages have millions of views on social media platforms. His work of helping the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan inspired his teacher to give him the name Nuri, which comes from the attribute of Allah God, Al-Nur, meaning the light. He indeed has been a pure source of light for those who have listened to him. Since Brother Nuri's appointment as Minister of Muhammad Mosque number 74, 
the mosque has quadrupled its membership, purchased and renovated a state-of-the-art facility affectionately called the Miracle on 38th Street, which houses the mosque, Muhammad University of Islam, Bismillah Child Care Ministry and Learning Academy, Eat to Live Cafe, and Center 74 Events Center. Welcome once again, our beloved brother, for all the hard work. We thank you uh, for being that great helper of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the great city of Indianapolis. Thank you once again, welcome. And all praises are due to Allah. Um, thank you for, I got, to, I got to tweak that bio a little bit. We had some adjustments that need to be made, but okay. I'm, I'm thankful to Allah. You, you, you know how it is when people start making bios, they start making, um, they start using almost them Donald Trump adjectives. <laughs> but I appreciate, you know, the uh, writer of it and thank them for trying to organize and express their, their perspective. And, yes, uh, you know, I got to definitely take the word pure out of there and, and change a few little things about the building too, because we okay. have a little something else going on in there yes, as well. Yes. But yes, all yes. praises are due to Allah. Um, I'm honored again to be able to be on this great platform. And inshallah, we'll be able to, in these next uh, few hours we have together, hurl truth and falsehood until we do what Allah tells us to do in the Quran, knock out his brains. That's right. And we will be able to validate are suffering people that have been invalidated with the supreme wisdom God gave to the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and uh, be able to uh, add value to the life of all of the listeners that join us today. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, beloved. Uh, our first segment, uh, brother student minister, is uh, defending Farrakhan. And um, you were blessed to be at the farm on July the 4th for the Criterion Address, is that right? Yes, sir. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about your experience that day? Well, you know, it, it uh, how can you say that? The, you, can, you can determine the dominant idea, spirit and conversation of the people that live in an environment by the way the environment feels when you interact with it. Mm. Uh, you, we've been in the course of time, uh, living our life, the little short time we've been on the planet, but we've walked into rooms before where we left and told people after we left, man, look, man, the air was so thick in there. I could have cut it with a butter knife. And normally when you go into an environment where you leave and tell others that the air was thick, it's because it was filled with invisible smog that came from negative thinking, negative speech, slander, backbiting, that sprung up out of envy and jealousy of, of those that may have been in that space. Uh, you can go into a club and you know that going into the club doesn't feel the same as going into the mosque. It's something different about an environment where the words of truth, the words of peace, prayer, and positive, pure thinking 
has literally renegotiated the molecular structure of the very air in that environment. And I'm saying that the spirit of the minister, his mind, his love, his heart and will has transposed itself into the entire Farrakhan family and it exists in all of the soldiers that are there every day making sure that the minister is, that Farrakhan is defended mm -hmm. in that physical sense. So the air is light. The air is clean. Mm -hmm. You almost accidentally on purpose check out from all stinking thinking as soon as you get off the golf cart and get driven to the actual, from the parking lot to the actual garden itself. So that uh, to me, in my humble opinion, is a testimony to the holiness, the righteousness, the purity of the man and servant of God in our midst is that he's infected, not inside of a room or inside of a building, but he's infected even the very atmosphere of several acres of land where the atmosphere in and of itself feels like what I would say heaven would feel like. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That definitely was a picturesque garden. Uh, the, the ambience of the garden, even though it was outside, like you're saying, Brother Nuri, the, the spirit of the atmosphere was charged by the atoms that came and emitted from him, from That's his heart right. and in his mind that affected everyone in, uh, his, uh, in that environment. So all praises due to Allah. Uh, what would be, what would be um, one of the main takeaways that you could uh, express from the garden? One of the main takeaways, I know there were many, but what would you, what would you identify as one of the main ones? Well, of course, you know, it, it, anytime that, that you hear from the servant of God that is operating as the mouthpiece of God and the trumpet for the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, that's what the minister is. Um, and anytime you're able to hear from a servant of God that is anointed for the time, you cannot, I cannot, we cannot listen to him like we listen to a teacher, preacher, professor, author, or any other human being that walks the face of this earth. Every other person on the planet that has not been blessed with that anointing to be that mouthpiece of God, they have two sights. Hindsight, they can look back. Insight, they can look at the present. But what separates a messenger of God from the normal people of the planet is that messengers of God don't just have the two sights that normal people have, but they've been blessed with a third sight, which is foresight, the ability to see into the future. So when you hear from a servant of God, you are hearing something today that is designed to be medicine for the moment, but also to produce immunization for the disease, spiritual or physical, coming in the future. So what you heard and what we heard on July 4th with the Criterion message is you heard 
the real-time revelation of God that showed us those six or seven verses from the Holy Quran and five or six verses from the Bible that were lifted that fit the time we live in mm -hmm. so that we might be able to take our medicine and be healed during the time of pestilence or and also that we might be able to take our immunization which was the same medicine that will prepare us to have a strong immune system spiritually and physically for what Allah God has in the future for the United States of America and the world. So yes, I got sir. medicine yes, and I got sir. immunization. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, I, and I felt at that moment that, that the minister would not be doing uh, lectures in the traditional format of teaching, mm -hmm. but he would be given uh, what is at the last part of the assignment of Jesus. And that is to help you to know who you're looking at. Mm -hmm. So you'll have the proper respect for what he's doing and what he has said to us. Yes, and sir. I know personally, there has been several sisters and brothers that were, that had miscategorized the minister and had him in the category of just a black leader or a teacher or revolutionary or organizational leader. Mm -hmm. But when the minister presented his resume of his life that verified the divinity of his presence, mm -hmm. they began to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Farrakhan is not the same That's as right. the rest of these, not being disrespectful to not one of our freedom fighters or ancestors, but they not a Farrakhan. That's right. And I've heard testimonies from the people in the field where now they have done a reappraisal on the teachings that they've been feeding on from the minister and they're taking the wisdom that came from him more serious because they see him more serious. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All praise is due to Allah. You know, reflecting on this past Savior's Day 2021, there were a lot of great workshops and outstanding keynote uh, by the student national assistant, by the student minister Ishmael Muhammad, and a lot of moments um, from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. We normally do not hear from him until the keynote. Uh, right. What were your biggest takeaways and impacts for you during that time? Well, you know, of course, um, I strive to, and, and I know you do too, Brother Iman and Brother Hannibal, and anyone that is striving to be a student of this great teacher that God has given us, that I don't just listen for messages or listen to a message from the minister to get uh, deep inspiration or deep explanation. I also listen to get action items uh, out of that message. Mm -hmm. And there are, there's always action items of what we must do to help perform better in the assignment. And then there's always action items that we must do in order to equip ourselves and qualify ourselves to be able to secure and stay in the favor of Allah. So I, uh, I, had a, I have heavy, heavy notes from the believers meeting that he did with just the believers. 
and um, heavy notes that that came from his address that he made afterward, and then that next Wednesday, heavy notes from the second uh, believers meeting that that he delivered. So there's there's a list of action items that I have, and I hope that all would try this formula. And I, I have a list of things that I need to do or do more or do better mm-hmm. personally. And then I have a list of things that I heard that must be done uh, in the field to help him in the mission that God put on his shoulders. So that's kind of uh, to go through each one of them would take uh, <laughs> a lot more than the show. Yes, but sir. I hope that that will be a good formula uh, for all of those who have love for the greatest teacher that God has ever blessed the planet with, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, that we would take time to, to not just listen to the aspects of the message that is speaking power to the powerful, but also pay close attention to what he's saying when he's speaking power to the powerless mm-hmm. and what we can do to empower our people as he's doing and what we can do to correct ourselves that we might be a good example that would magnetize our people to want to hear, believe, and follow this beautiful man. Yes, sir. I, I often refer to the minister as the man with the golden heart, you know, uh, the one that has learned the language of the heart. That's what makes him so magnetic because uh, he's speaking through the problems and troubles of our people and touching them at their core. So right. he is blessed with that um, divinity to be able to penetrate all the self-hatred, all of the doubt, all of the lies, you know, and when they hear him, his vibratory aura is so powerful that it's able to cut through all of that. Now, you know, I came in the nation back in the 70s and and uh, I was out just out there and um, I heard about the Nation of Islam through my older brother. And he uh, invited me to the mosque, but I never stood up. But one day, Minister Farrakhan came to Manual Arts High School in 1972 wow. in Los Angeles. And I heard his message and I stood up that day. And, but I didn't become active until the next year mm. after some circumstances happened where Allah had to, had to spank, spank a situation, spank me in a situation to get me to submit, right? Yeah. What brought you into the nation and, and how, did that, how did that come about, Brother Nuri, for you? Very near the same type of circumstance, uh, but different agents uh, in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came I, I came into the ranks in 1992, mm-hmm. and w- when I came in the ranks, I was 17 years of age. But to make a long story short, my girlfriend at the time was was had a father that was a sympathizer of the nation. Mm-hmm. And for the listening audience, that means that this is somebody that loved, supported and believed in the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but did not make the commitment to join the nation yet. But he always kept them uh, in front of 
the minister's messages and in the message, messenger's books and took them to Savior's Day every year, ever since they was maybe four years old. Wow. So as we were maturing, um, I guess you could say that that bomb that was dropped from those bomber planes of all of those <laughs> different scenarios and books they read and tapes they listened to and Savior's Days they, they visited have been drilling down into the subconscious mind of this young girl until it had reached one mile deep. Yes, come on now. She was, she was 16 years old when it exploded. Come on. Brought all of those experiences up to the surface and she got a little more serious about the, the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And, and because I was considered her boyfriend, she wanted to share it with me. So she gave me two tapes of the minister and message to the black man. The mm -hmm. lectures were by the time Shirley Manners in laws from Michigan State and Figure It Up was the name that it was given a message from Illinois State University. And I never listened to him, never read any of it. But every time we got on the phone, she kept asking questions and talking about struggling for black people and the no, no mystery God. I said, man, if I'm going to even be able to entertain a conversation with her, I got to learn something. <laughs> so I start listening to the lectures and reading a message to the black man. And I became uh, addicted to the message to the black man where I did not even like sleeping. I mm. wanted to read it. And at that time, um, when I was reading it as a young person, I kept seeing when I closed the book early, I would always see the Honorable Elijah Muhammad kind of like on my wall in my mind, I guess. <laughs> and I would see uh, this man that I thought was a white man and they wouldn't be smiling. Mm -hmm. So if I seen them on the wall and they wouldn't smile, it didn't happen every day, but it happened almost every other day. Mm -hmm. And if I looked after I read a while and I looked up and they were smiling, I would go to sleep. And sometime it would be five, six, seven, eight hours later. Mm. And later I learned when I went to the mosque for the first time that this man that I thought was a white man that I had been seeing was Master Fad Muhammad. Had you seen a picture of him before you were seeing these uh, pictures on the wall? Never. I had no idea. All I knew was his name inside a message to the black man. Never had seen a picture. Keep in mind, you know, you're talking 92. There wasn't, there wasn't, uh, internet wasn't going. I mean, right. people was using fax machines and pagers and stuff. That's right. So it, it wasn't this, uh, you know, technology at the push of a button available to you. So mm -hmm. I didn't know. And when I seen him, I knew who yes, it sir. was. So I came in the ranks at 17. Uh, that young sister that introduced me to the teaching, I joined in August. She got registered in September. And a year and a half later, we got married, and we've been married now, getting ready to be 28 years. Praises due to Allah. Wow. So that's, that's how it happened, Brother Iman, in the, you know, consolidated, synthesized version. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and I'm pleased to tell you that her father, who was a sympathizer, he ended up becoming a registered FOI, too. Wow. Mm. Beautiful, bro. Beautiful, brother. Beautiful. So, wow, it was the sister who fished you in. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it originated from the father. 
Yes, sir. Were there, can you recall any um, FOI in your neighborhood uh, with the uh, Final Call newspaper or even the, the Muhammad Speaks way back in the day? I was so upset. I thought I was so upset. I, I was so blind, deaf, and dumb. I thought I thought Islam was a country. <laughs> <laughs> Word is bond. That's how dumb I was. I'm gonna go to. I would catch a plane and go to Islam. In Africa somewhere, what Islam? What is that? I'm gonna go catch a plane and go to go to Islam. <laughs> I, I was so I was so mad, even though I was only 17. But you know, when you 17, you think you've been living a long time. You think you've grown. Right. So I went to my mother. I said, Mom, why come you did not introduce me to this whenever I was? How come you didn't give me this when I was a baby? Mm. You had me eating pork and believing in a white Jesus. You, why come you, you didn't mean tell me you had never seen no brothers with no final calls? She's like, No. <laughs> I said, You never even bought a bean pie or nothing. <laughs> She's like, no, I ain't never seen none, none, none of that. We're gone somewhere. <laughs> so, no, sir. I never remember seeing a FOI. I never even remember hearing the word Muslim before, other than in high school, you know, seeing Middle Eastern Muslims. But I never thought anything about uh, that, of course, until uh, later on close to the same window of time whenever you had on the scene a uh, public enemy and mm -hmm. brand Nubian and mm -hmm. poor righteous teachers yes. and Ice Cube mm -hmm. uh, and, and those soldiers, Rakim, those soldiers that was putting uh, Islamic language inside of hip hop. So mm -hmm. I learned, I learned uh, about it by way kind of them and then formally uh, by those that, that, were connected to my girlfriend at the time who became my wife. And for any young people that are in the audience watching this, don't try this at home. <laughs> yes, ain't no, it's not no guarantee that that's going to work. In fact, it's a 97% probability that whoever you think you love now, as a young person, you won't make it. You're, you're not going to become husband and wife. So don't try that. <laughs> yes, sir. But I think a lot that it worked out, uh, you know, for us in, in that way. Uh, but I didn't, I never met any, so I never met any other brothers. And uh, of course that was one of the, the things that motivated me when I joined the ranks. When I came into the ranks, brother Hannibal, you know what I said? This is my code. I told the brothers, I said, y'all will never catch me in no dress shoes. <laughs> <laughs> ain't never, I ain't never wearing no dress shoes. You gonna always find me in some soldiering boots. I don't want to mm. I don't want to do nothing but soldier and get as many of the of our people into the ranks and bring as much money as I can to the messenger. That's all yes, I'm man. on. So don't bother me with nothing else. Don't yes, ask man. me to do. But because I was such an uh, 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 avid studier and my comments, even as a young person, I guess they had some kind of uh, substance to them in the study groups that everybody kept saying, hey, somebody, y'all need to put him in the ministry. Mm -hmm. So I was only registered three months, mm. 17 years old, and they, they asked me to speak one day on a uh, Wednesday night to open up.
And uh, as soon as they asked me, I told them, I said, well, I ain't, I'm, I'm be honest, I'm not feeling too good tonight. Uh, I, I, I'm, I can't do it today. And Sunday came, which is the main meeting day. And the student minister of the time or the coordinator pulled me to the side. Meeting time starts at two o'clock. It's 1.50. <laughs> he pulled it me to the familiar. side and said, rumor has it. <laughs> that you were scared to teach Wednesday. Mm. Now, you know you can't tell no black man mm. scared. Come on, man. I was like, no, sir. I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't scared. I just wasn't feeling good. And the truth was, I was feeling just fine until they asked me to come say something. <laughs> so he said, well, hey, so how you feeling right now? I said, fine, sir. Mm. He said, well, good. You own in five minutes. I was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> so I just got registered. What am I supposed to say? I said, can we just do this like on a Wednesday? Can I do a circle or something? This is, a, this is the Sunday. He's like, he's like, no, sir. No, sir, you own five minutes. <laughs> was that Brother James? Go ahead, teach yes, leader. Yes, it was. <laughs> so I went up there and I started teaching, breaking down the physical and the spiritual meaning of the flag of Islam mm. and translating it to represent us as a people, the moon and whatever. Man, everybody was standing and clapping. I was like, well, oh, they said they really nice. <laughs> they so supportive. They trying to, they're going to cheer me on. They know I'm a scared to death, young, new Muslim. Oh, this is so nice of them. These are some good people. And I walked off the roster and I was like, I did it. I'm done. I ain't never doing it again. <laughs> but the real truth, while I was opening up, the first time I opened up, a mm. voice in my mind said this loudly. This is what you're born to do. Mm. And I, of course, I had all intention on walking off that rostrum, acting like I never heard that before. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, it became the little talk. Uh, my talk became a little talk in the study group. And uh, next Wednesday came and they asked me to do a whole lecture. Wow. And I did. And I ended up becoming assistant minister. Uh, we were a study group at the time at mm -hmm. 17 years of age. Wow. And I had to start wearing dress shoes. <laughs> yes, it took sir. me a while. It took me a while, brother Iman. I still had on them, them high-tech police boots. You remember them high-tech boots? Yes, sir. You had them high-tech boots and them bobby socks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, but I, sir. But yes, I, sir. my spirit was, I, I sold a thousand papers an issue for almost two years straight. I heard about you, Brother Nuri, uh, brother, brother Robert, who was there yeah. uh, for a short while, uh, who later became Brother Rab, moved yes, to Atlanta, sir. and may Allah be Allah pleased be with him. He made yes, his transition back to Allah, but he told me about you. He you told know. me how to pray. Yes, sir. Yes, brother sir. Abdul Rab, we, we lived together yes, sir. at the mosque because I was uh, put out of my house for being a Muslim, so I had to live at the mosque. Mm -hmm. my senior year in high school but he was there too uh transplant from a from out of from chicago at the time trying to help us and he he showed me how to do my rakas mm -hmm. uh, you know and and we were together pretty much every day but i thank a lot for him and yes. the great uh you know as the minister said he said i've never met another human being that is not my superior in mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. So there's nobody we'll ever meet in life that we can't learn from and probably teach something to. That's right. 
but I learned a lot from that brother because uh, he was a zealot for the <laughs> traditional basic form of a Muslim. Yes, sir. And, and you know, you already know what, what I'm saying. But that was that was my <laughs> man. That was my yes. man, and uh, he uh, he coached me along because I was um, I wasn't as civilized as I should have been. Mm. So I was, you know, I had too much hoodlum logic, I guess. So I didn't understand all of the, you know, deliberative lawful dialogue and, <laughs> you know, settling your differences and talking it out, you know. I got put out the mosque when I was 18 years old for fighting. Mm. By the minister <laughs> over the telephone. <laughs> I hadn't even been registered but six months. Okay. Yes, sir. So yes. brother Abdul Rock, he helped me out, but I was, you know, I love soldiering and and, yes, and I did I did I got the lapel pin that was the platinum and diamond lapel pin uh for doing a thousand papers uh, issue. And yes. uh I never I never have had a regular job since I've mm. been uh, in Islam, except mm. for maybe a, a year working with a political person that was a black political figure, a congresswoman, Julia Carson, and it really wasn't work working a job because you know I was with her. Mm. But uh, I've been doing for self, and I made a living soldier. I soldiered for a living my all my days. Yes, sir. All praise is due to Allah. With your busy schedule, um, how do you balance marriage, family, personal, and all these demanding responsibilities? We, we know what it's like to be the head administrator over a mosque, dealing with believers and, and, and their problems and issues, uh, problems of the city, and then dealing with our families as well. How do you, uh, how do you balance all that? Um, well, I, I strive hard to, to always remember the flag of Islam in my head. And the flag of Islam is the sun, moon, and stars. But the flag of Islam also, according to the flag of Islam, is a, the book, it's a symbol of your family as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you read the Holy Quran, every time the sun is mentioned, it's always under the pronoun he. And when the moon is mentioned, in the Holy Quran, it's always under the pronoun she. So like the moon is a reflection of the light of the sun, our women are a reflection of us. So the flag of Islam, that star and crescent that we wear on our shoulders in our FOI uniform is not just saying that we can carry the weight of the universe and that we can carry the weight of the mission, but it also means that we can carry our family. Because the man is the sun. The woman is the crescent. In fact, if you look at a pregnant woman's stomach from a profile view, mm. it looks very similar to the crescent that's in our flag. And just like she would have a baby in her stomach, you got a star inside of that crescent. Mm -hmm. So I always remind myself that if I really want to keep the flag raised high, I can't just be lifting mosque and mission. I also got to lift my family. Mm -hmm. And because of that spirit, uh, I try 
my best and I have been trying to always uh, invest the adequate amount of, of time and energy required to, to nurture uh, the mission, the mosque, of uh, course, now in economic endeavors, plus my, my family. And, and I think that uh, what has helped me to navigate and have the energy to do it. Most people, you know, every time people complain about not getting what they should get done, they always say it just don't seem like it's enough time in the day. Mm -hmm. The real truth is not enough day in our time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have the energy to be able to exploit the 23 hour, 56 minutes and 46 seconds we're given every day to, to, to the maximum where we can be everything that we're supposed to be to everything that Allah has put under our charge. But as the minister opens up all his letters to us, may this letter find you in the best of health yes, and spirit. It is the synergism of these two operating inside of one organism that gives us the power, the vitality, the energy, the will, the wisdom, patience, all the ingredients we need to be able to be balanced in all things. So I've tried my best, Brother Iman, to always make an investment uh, in my health and make mm -hmm. an investment in my spirit. Yes, and sir. the minister said this. He said, you can't do this work without the spirit of Allah. And then he asked the question, how do you acquire the spirit of Allah? And look at his answer. By making sincere your motives toward right action. Mm. So yes, if we would multiply how to eat to live and the other thing that's in the teachings is teaching us really how to think to live. Mm -hmm. Multiply that by a little exercise and then multiply that by making sincere our motives toward right action, I think we'd have enough day in our time to be able to balance all of them. I'm not quite where I wanna be in none of those categories, but I think whatever uh, grade that I've been able to get uh, from, from those judges and those entities, if you interviewed them, they would, they would say that, uh, you know, it's because I've always tried to invest the appropriate amount of time and energy into all of them. It may take a little coffee mm -hmm. when I get off a plane. <laughs> That's right. To be able to make it happen. But I try to, I try to uh, make sure that I see them as a weight on my shoulders that I got to hold up to. I don't want that flag of my yeah. family to hit the ground, just like I don't want the flag of the mission to hit the ground. Yes, sir. Speaking of family, how many uh, children do you have, Brother Nuri? I have three children. Uh, okay. All of them think they're grown. Okay. <laughs> I, know that, I know that sentiment. You know something about that, brother. My, my youngest is 21. Okay. And I have a 25-year-old son that just turned 25 last week and a 26-year-old. I, I don't get the math, brother. You can't be no you can't be 20 no more than 22 yourself. What's going on? <laughs> All praise due to Allah. Like like we All said praise is due last to Allah. Sunday, how to eat to live. <laughs> That's right. It's the age reversing. That's right. Disease preventing. Yeah. Life and life more abundantly handbook. That's right. The original man and the original woman. Yes, sir. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Yes, yeah. sir. So that, you know, I'm thankful to a lot, you know, to, to have been given uh, the teachings and genetics 
that can be multiplied by each other to, you know, I feel the same as I actually feel better than I felt when I was 15 years old right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I generally, uh, I haven't eaten anything but vegetables and fruit for the last 90 days. And with a little, of course, my Navy beans, some lentils, mm -hmm. uh, just yes. started eating uh, a little bread recently, but okay. I've been running, uh, I do an hour or a day or more of cardio and lift weights six days out of the week. And right. I've been, I've been feeling, I've been feeling good like a black Muslim should. That's right. That's right. You know, every time we go and come to Chicago, we might be staying in the same hotel. I see you in the workout room, you on that treadmill, you in there doing something. And your wife is right there with you for the yes, most part, sir. you know, so it's, it's therapeutic, you know, yes, it's sir. therapeutic. And to those in the viewing audience, um, you know, as we said this past Sunday, uh, we were dealing not that not today, but last Sunday when I spoke um, that if you ever have anything that God said to do that you're struggling with, all you got to do is study the benefits of it. Yes, and indeed. the more you learn about it your why power will, be, will become food for your willpower. That's right. Anything that Allah asks you not to do that you are still struggling with doing or being tempted to do, study the harmful effects and consequences from doing it, and it will give you strength uh, to resist it. Uh, so when you study the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins, the adrenaline, these chemicals, these are the natural drugs that Allah placed inside of the brain. Yes. The brain is in of itself its own drug manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. And you can produce your own drugs in your own brain with zero side effects and it's free by eating right, thinking right, and exercising. Yes, sir. There's nothing that the enemy has made in a laboratory that can match the drug, the chemical that God put inside the human being to deal with the stress of life. So check it out, try it out. Yes, sir, yes, and, sir. Uh, that's been, you know, that's been, as they say in this world, they say certain stuff is your anti-drug. Yeah. <laughs> Keep you from ever wanting a drug and exercise yes, uh, has been one of those things. Yes, sir, yes, sir, I can bear witness to that. Brother Hannibal has a question for you. Go ahead, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. you know, as we're talking about balance, one thing that I've seen in many of the believers that I communicate with, one of the things we love is seeing that you and your beautiful wife, Sister Terry, travel, having fun. And you've done, you two have done an amazing job of making Islam fun. You know, so my, my question to you is, what advice can you give to us and, and all the other believers on how to balance that out, but to actually go and do things as a family and actually enjoy it? Because a lot of times we get caught up in soldier, 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 handling business here, and we lose sight of that investment into our family and going out and doing things together. That's right. Well, you know, I have a saying that if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So marriage, you know, marriage is work. The mission is work. Mm -hmm. Business development, business management is work. Mm -hmm. Everything that you want to do of value, so teaches a lot through the Holy Quran. There's an there's a difficulty factor that's attached to it. Struggle is ordained. But look at what Master Father Muhammad said. He said, "Work cheerfully, mm -hmm. and fear not. You're the righteous. You're the best. 
you are powerful. Well, if you're working cheerfully, then you are enjoying what other people can send you to be uh, uh, considered to be a strenuous stress producing task. Mm -hmm. And the ergonomists have found that when you are engaged in sport and play, it takes just as much mental and physical energy as it does whenever you're trying to do business or do what we call work. The only thing different is that when you work, it's a stress producer. But when you're involved in sport and recreation, it's a stress reliever. Well, if you're exerting energy, effort, mental and physical in both of them, how is one a stress producer and the other a stress reliever? It's the spirit, Mm -hmm. attitude that you bring to it. So when you work cheerfully, when you have fun doing what you're doing, Islam is not a religion, it's a way of life. That's right. So you, you practice your, your Islam wherever you go, but you're supposed to be working cheerfully. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a dimension uh, of the equation. And one of the things that, that we have as an economic policy to help de-stress life is I have a saying that if I can't buy it twice, I won't buy it once. Mm-hmm. And if you can't buy it twice, you won't buy it once becomes your economic philosophy, then you never live beyond your means. You always Mm -hmm. live way below your means. That's right. Which de-stresses life. Mm -hmm. And and I'm gonna just drop this on you. There's a documentary that you can can watch uh, on happiness where Mm -hmm. the writers, and I wanna say it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or maybe on the Discovery Network. But I watched it and they interviewed people all over the world that were considered happy. Mm -hmm. And the math that they came back with found that people receive more joy and happiness in life from doing things than they do from, from having things. So it is better, it is healthier for your own happiness to to invest in doing things with the people that you love than having things to make yourself feel like something or make other people think you something. Yes, sir. And of course, you know, what Master Fahd Muhammad promised us, he promised us luxury, money good homes, friendships in all walks of life, and peace and contentment of mind. So if you have his promise, you won't just do things that'll make you happy, but you also have things while you're doing things. Yes, and sir. so that, that's kind of how it's been for us, is that, uh, you know, we, we learned it before I ever watched the documentary that doing things is better than having things. And I thank Allah that he's blessed uh, us over time to also have a few, few things as well to, to make doing things a little, little easier and a little more fun. Yes, it makes, it makes perfect sense, brother. Yes. Now, now, you've always had, uh, been a person that young people feel comfortable working with and looking up to. What is it about you that, such a, that has such a strong pull? And can you give some examples? Oh, I don't, I, I believe it's Allah, you know, it is yes, Allah. 
and magnetizing. And it's, I think it has something to do uh, with the way that I express myself and the way that I, I function and carry myself. And all that's born out of the native personality that Allah gave you or gave mm -hmm. me. And uh, for, for the, the minister said this one time, one of his sons was giving him a report and I was there about him trying to get his uh, young brothers from the neighborhood to come to the mosque. And I think he probably was about 16 or 17 maybe uh, when he was talking to the minister and I just happened to be there. And he said, dad, I gotta tell you something. I've been trying to get these brothers from the neighborhood to come to the mosque, they wouldn't come. He said, I just had an idea. I asked him to come over to the house and I put on one of Brother Nuri's lectures. He said, Dad, they was glued to the screen. And this past Sunday, all of them came to the meeting. See? And the minister said mm. this. He told me, he said, Allah has blessed you with a special gift where you have, you, you have the ability, he said, to magnetize the most difficult segment of, of the population of our people. And that is the young people. Mm -hmm. And he said, there's nothing that you could ever do greater for me than for some young person to take what you're saying, the way you say it, and use it to be able to draw them in and they come to the mosque to be with us and to be with me. Yes, there's sir. nothing greater that you can do. So yes, I think, and I, I think part of it too, Brother Mon, is I do... <laughs> A lot of people think that I am young, so when I'm talking, they think it's one of them talking. <laughs> That's right. They feel like they're behind. I when I picked my daughter up from high school, more than one occasion, they was they asked me for hall passes sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm older than you. <laughs> you talk about hall pass, <laughs> right? Told me, get to class, get to class. <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm not yes. I'm coming to pick up my daughter. It's like, what? No, it look, told me, hey, look, no hanging out in the lobby. You need to be in all the others. Why are you even on this side anyway? I was like, brother, I'm not a student. So, you know, I think that has something to do with it uh, as well. But, I, you know, I, I try to represent the teachings uh, in a way that I had to learn it. And I guess that formula works for a lot of our people that are coming up uh, from the trenches and the mud the same way. Whatever it is that I had to learn or how I had to learn it, sharing the teachings in the way I had to learn it resonates with a lot of, of our people that, that come up from the you know same traditional uh, ghetto life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What, what would you say to the ones who are interested in the nation but are hesitant uh, to come all the way, uh, or for whatever reason, what would you say to them? Well, this is this is the the truth. Understanding does not produce submission. Mm -hmm. Really, understanding is the fruit of submission, not the other way around. So don't wait till you understand everything that you think you need to understand before you submit submit and watch the reward from the lord be your understanding of yourself and of the teachings mm -hmm. and don't don't think so little of yourself that you don't believe that you have 
the ability to live according to the law of God. Because I was the same way. Coming up, looking at the nation from the outside in, I loved the teaching. I didn't want the training. Mm-hmm. I loved the language, but I didn't want that law. Mm-hmm. I loved the message, but I didn't want to follow the method. I loved the word, but I didn't want to follow the way. And the real truth was, is that I didn't believe that I had the ability to live the disciplined life that I thought from the outside looking in, I could live. But I'm going to say this to you that are thinking about joining the nation. Men sharpen men like steel sharpen steel. And, And you'll be surprised how doing the same thing at the same time with somebody else will give you strength that you didn't even know you had. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that, that you've heard of peripheral vision, which means that I'm looking at a camera, but I can also see the window to my left and the window to my right, even though I'm not looking over there. That's physical peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. But for every physical law there is in nature is spiritual counterpart. We have a spiritual peripheral vision. And if you join, come on into the ranks What's going to happen to you is that while you are serving, soldiering, and studying, you're going to see in your spiritual peripheral vision, people just like you came from the same place you came from, catching the same hell from the same devil at the same time you catching it. And what's going to happen to you is as you are looking through your spiritual peripheral vision at your fellow brothers and sisters, your mind is going to say to you, if they can do it. So can I. Mm -hmm. Good thing is they're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is that in a brotherhood or a sisterhood, we end up accidentally on purpose, borrowing strength from one another, keeping each other strong without even opening our mouth. You cannot live the law attached to this language, the method attached to this message or the way attached to this word out there in the world all by yourself. That's right. But come on into the brotherhood and sisterhood and you'll borrow strength from your brother and sister. The power for you to live the life doesn't come by you being alone in the world. The power to live this life comes when you're united with the brotherhood and sisterhood inside the ranks. That's Man, right. that, that's so beautifully articulated, Brother Nuri. How do you see the nation having a stronger impact on this, on this generation? Well, it's you know, at, at the, uh, the, the logic of the teachings and the logic of our time on the planet and our time in the teaching and the time this teaching has been among us, young people, they want to see subject-verb agreement. Mm-hmm. They hear the word. Mm-hmm. They see all of these beautiful messages that the minister has given and in the teachings mm-hmm. about the do-for-self program, yep. about sitting yourself in heaven at once about being a God. Mm-hmm. So they, they learned the teaching and then they began looking at us mm-hmm. uh, uh, to become the material witness that what is said in the teachings actually can manifest itself. So as the Holy Quran said to Muhammad, it said, Muhammad, you are a bear of witness of, to, from a, of Allah to the people 
as the believers, or you are a bearer of witness to Allah to the believers, as the believers must be a bearer of witness to the people. So we've got to come up in our expression. We have to come up in our subject verb agreement. Mm -hmm. Our video has to match our audio. Yes, sir. And we have to be respected and admired by the masses of our people like we respect and admire the master, the, the, the messenger, and the minister. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to, to be that material witness, those great witness bearers to the fact, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, culture, refinement, not, not just the pursuit of happiness, but hell, if you're pursuing it, when you gonna get it? Right. Have you caught it yet? If mm -hmm. you've been pursuing it in your Islam, you've been a Muslim for 35 years, pursuing happiness still, you haven't found it yet? Mm. Where's your luxury, your money, your good homes, your friendships in all walks of life? That's right. Why come, why, why come you not in heaven at once? Mm -hmm. So whenever we become the better examples and witnesses to the efficacy of the teachings by expression of life, it'll make it real easy for people to want to come in. We've been saying it all these years, brother, uh, 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 Abdul Iman and Brother Hannibal when we drill. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. Mm -hmm. And so we tell them we're Muhammad's soldiers. So, so that means that we have the assignment of being what the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, a clean glass next to a dirty glass. We have the assignment of being the representatives of the positive opposite extreme of all the hell that our people are catching. And if we are that, when we become that better, then we'll become more magnetic uh, to our people and we'll win them over as the Quran says, and thou will see men entering the religion of Allah in companies. That's right, that's right. That's a large amount of soldiers coming with the spirit of a warrior. We need them kind of men and women. Yes, sir. Brother Hannibal is going to take this next segment. Go ahead, Brother yes, Hannibal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> as we know, student minister, um, student minister of mine, student minister Nori, as we know, the divorce rate is extremely high and many are not even seeking to get married anymore. You have written two books, and as you all may know, and if you don't know, you want to go ahead and go pick those up at norimuhammad.com. That's N-U-R-I-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D.com. Make sure you slide down and you pick up the MP3s while you at it. You know, just a quick little 30 second promotion promo. Yeah, I got you, Chief. So, <laughs> yo, hold on. I, I forgot he got a liner. You should you should shop with your brother before you shop with the other. You'll know, clean it up for me a little bit later. But anyway, he has he has these two beautiful books. One is titled Before I Say I Do, and the other one is After I Say I Do. What are some of the responses you have received from readers pertaining to these two books and how has it impacted them in regards of getting married or even preparing themselves for marriage? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, my wife can bear witness uh, if she was available to, to, to be on here. She sees me uh, probably once or twice a week looking at comments uh, and feedback that people are emailing or sending through the site 
about what uh, the books have been able to do for them or sometimes lectures as well. But I almost probably once or twice a week, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there just broke down crying mm. to just see the, uh, you know, the value that people are able to get out of the uh, expression and really using the searchlight of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching to shine it over these uh, most important aspects of life, life, which are male and female relationships uh, in general, but in specific marriage. So it's, um, I mean, it's so many people that one just comes to my mind, a, a couple that sent me a message. They didn't even know about after you say I do. Mm. They just, somebody told them about before you say I do. They had been married for 37 years. Wow. They read the before you say I do. And they told me in the letter, and these are not Muslims that are registered in the nation. Mm. They say that we decided that we're getting ready to restart our marriage all over again. Mm. And we've been using this book and we are courting one another. Mm. So they uh, closed out the letter and said after they've been courting one another that they have a renewed relationship and it's better than it's ever been. So that, you know, it is, it is so important um, mate selection, the most important decision that, that we could ever make in life after choosing to believe in God is the picking the right mate. The minister said this, he said, a good relationship will bring out the best in you and cause you to reverse aging or cause you to become younger. Mm. But a bad relationship will bring out the worst in you and age you prematurely. Mm -hmm. So yes, in Islam, Prophet Muhammad does have a saying, marriage is one half of faith. But if the minister is telling us that a bad mate can age you prematurely and bring out the worst in you, they might also be able to be half your fall. That's right. So you don't want to be unequally yoked in the biblical context. Uh, in science, you don't want to try to mix oil and water together. At some point, when it all settles, you're going to separate. That's right. Uh, from one another. So picking the right mate, picking the right mate uh, becomes that most critical decision to help you uh, in the process. Your, your mate really should be your primary positive soundboard that you bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. And when a mate really loves you, they will give you back your idea, tweet, look, a few things taken out and a few things added to, and you will walk away with a superior brand of an idea than what you came up with on your own. Yes, sir. So yes, that's kind of what they've been able to do uh, for, for many. And even, of course, after you say I do, we're getting those same kind of testimonies about renewed, reset, restarted, doing good again, and, and by Allah's grace, it hurt me, Brother Hannibal, because it is true. In America, white people have a 50% divorce rate. But in the black community in America, we have a 75% divorce rate. And that's the reason why you mentioned in your opening to the question that a lot of people don't want to get married. You know why? Because some of the worst advertisement for the institution of marriage is married couples. 
Mm -hmm. You see married couples out in the public, you can always tell when somebody is married because they don't look like they're having no fun. (laughs) Man and woman that ain't married, they're giggling, they're laughing, they're all over each other inside the car. Right, right, right. But man and woman that is married, they ain't talking to nobody. They looking straight ahead or playing on their phone and the other one's driving. <laughs> Unmarried, male and female at a restaurant, giggling and laughing, having a good time. Married couple just got their face in their place, scooping. <laughs> no laughing, no joke. So some of the worst advertisement. And you know you're telling the truth, man. You know you <laughs> It's married couples, married, married couples. They, you, you make marriage look like, and look at look at how crazy we are. They, whenever you get married, they tell you, look, man, we got to throw a bachelor party, man. It's your last day of fun, boy. I'm telling oh, you, man. That's nope. crazy. Man. It's over. It's over. It's over. Then they call it the old ball and chain. Mm. They don't sound very attractive. No. She, oh, she went here and locked you on down, huh, boy? You, you <laughs> lock, uh, she locked you on down? So, you know, we make marriage look like it is a, a prison without physical yes. walls. Yes, sir. Let me jump in here real quick just to remind the audience that they can uh, pose a question yes. uh, through the chat. Please, if you're listening or viewing, please, if you have a question for Student Minister Nuri Muhammad, Go ahead and jot it down right now and send it through chat. Thank you. Well, that that that's you know gives another testimony of something we put in the book. You know, whenever, whenever you are uh, another study that was done in 2012, they went all over the world interviewing couples that were happily married for over 65 years. And what they found, uh, they were looking for the longevity ingredient. What is it? that they have that kept them not just married, but happily married mm-hmm. for over 65 years, over 60 years. And what they found among all of the happy married couples that had 60 plus years of joy, they were all friends of one another. Mm-hmm. So friendship becomes that longevity uh, ingredient. Mm-hmm. And, and of mm-hmm. course, you know, you can't have two different belief systems, two different missions, two different sets of moral standards. You got to believe in the same thing and, and lean on the same highest power to solve all of your disagreements or your, your conduct clashes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what happens whenever you have two people that don't believe in the same thing, Paul called it unequally yoked. Not, not, not unequally yoked like an egg yoke, but like an oxen mm-hmm. or a horse. See, a yoke is what can, combines animals together and ties the two animals to what they are pulling. Well, to be unequally yoked doesn't mean that y'all not connected. You could be connected to each other, but the question is, are you connected to the same belief system? Mm-hmm. Are you connected to the same mission? And if you disbelieve in what I believe in and we disagree and I come to you and say, well, honey, you know, the, the, the honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us. And then she tells you, well, Elijah Muhammad ain't my messenger. That's your message. Creflo dollars. No, <laughs> Joe Osteen said to me, 
<laughs> well, we're gonna have a big problem. Big problem, if brother. If you didn't put Joe Osteen on the rank of the messenger of God, we're gonna have a problem. That's right. So, so this uh, uh, is all spelled out in, in the books. And, and what happened, Brother Hannibal, is that we were teaching in most of the cities, no matter who invited us, every inviter seemed to have marital or domestic problems. So we would go invited by a church, community organization, political group, or even uh, uh, us in the mosque inviting. And then after we got finished doing the public gatherings, they would always take you to the hotel and then, you know, want to put you to the side to tell you about relationship problems. And I really personally, um, I wanted to figure out a way that I wouldn't have to keep doing them, having these little bootleg sidebar meetings, mm-hmm. you know, and shutting off the, you got the brothers on post, keeping everybody out of the little computer room downstairs, you know, the little computer room where everybody go get on it. I kick everybody out of there and be in there having counseling sessions. Oh man. So I said, well, see if I can put what I'm saying consistently in book form. And uh, before you say I do was first. And then soon as that came out, everybody said, well, I mean, I understand you got before I said, but we need something to help us. Mm. So now I can, I got before you say I do and after you say I do. And I can be like that old school doctor and hand him these books to them when they ask me any question. Look, tell them, take two of these. (laughs) Call me in the morning. Call me in the morning. That's so far, right. nobody's called in the morning. Right. The books have been sufficient. So that yeah. is, uh, you know, that is what what sparked it, uh, as well as the minister saying to us one time that the number one threat to our national security was divorce. Yes. So we wanted to see if we can do something to immunize us from being, uh, you know, a part of that which was destabilizing the national security of our nation. That's right, sir. This next question is coming from uh, one of your other books, Brother Nuri, Let This Mind Be In You. Uh, You ask a very important question when I was thumbing through your book this morning. Uh, In the chapter five, Theophany, when God appears in man, you uh, touch on something very important. On page 34, it reads, and then I want to get your comment on this. You you say in the book, what exactly does theophany mean? Theophany means how God appears in man, or for some scholars, how God appears to man. To and in denote two distinct states that are very, that the very fact that there is a level of confusion regarding to and in indicates clearly that confusion surrounds this topic, but it also indicates that to and in might mean that these two actually go hand in hand. Yes. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches us that God appears to man by appearing in man. Therefore, neither scholar nor school of thought is wrong. The two are twin ideas that bear witness to the single essence of how God works in the world. For example, how can a person say that they go that they went through the tunnel but did not go in the tunnel? I thought that was brilliant, brother. (laughs) If they got through the tunnel, they cannot say that they got through the tunnel unless they were in the tunnel. This same principle holds true 
when God, when, when we speak of God, how can God get to man if he does not come in a man? Ooh. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Hey, that, Talk gave on it, that gave me chills and that was my word. <laughs> Talk <laughs> on it. That means it came from Allah through Allah you. Allah is God. Oh, praise Allah like God. Yeah, but that, you know, the, of course, as the most honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, told us and was lifted today in the message, um, that the most important question that any one of us can ask is who is God. Because mm -hmm. if Allah, God, no matter what religious teaching that you uh, ascribe to, that he is the source and the beginning of everything. He is the originator. He is the creator. Mm -hmm. He is the first independent entity. He is the first object of reality that ever existed in what we now call universe. Everything is really a chip off of him, the oldest of blocks. Mm -hmm. So if you have a misunderstanding to, for, to, uh, about the creator, the originator, about God, then you will have a misunderstanding about everything because everything really is a part of him. But if you can get that corrected, your perception of the originator, the creator, the first independent entity and the only reality that exists in the universe that all other things we call real came from, Mm -hmm. then you, you really have hacked into the code to be able to properly understand everything else you come in contact with as an object thing or study in the world. So that is uh, uh, why it's so important uh, to know not just the God as an entity and an individual, but to also identify the ingredients that make up the God that are also human characteristics or divine attributes that each real human being possesses. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are, we in the nation are really the only group of people on the planet that could be called by all precepts of the definition of religion. Because mm -hmm. re meaning to do again. Religion in Greek meaning to get to God. Religion is supposed to be a spiritual system that gets you back to God. Mm -hmm. Which means that we were with God at one time and fell off from being with him. Mm -hmm. But if your spiritual system that you ascribe to says that you can be a follower, a worshiper, a companion, a disciple, apostle, or, or maybe even a saint or messenger or prophet even, that's short of a God. Mm -hmm. So the only way that we could be engaged in true religion is if the goal of a God is the goal of what we are part of. Mm -hmm. And that is what Allah gave us through the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. We don't do religion to believe in God. Our Islam, we do, we do our religion to become the God that we believe in. That's right. And that's the two. Yes, and sir. then the goal is to show when, he, when the two is in the one that comes to, he's already that. Mm -hmm. But he comes to show us that the same thing that's in me is also in you. It's just underdeveloped, 
has not yet been activated and cultivated, but here I am to show you how to do it. So I'm looking forward to not only a point number 12, but a point number 13 through 47 million, and then eventually a point number 4 billion, 400 million, where the whole planet has God's walk in the scene. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, the enemy is constantly under uh, attacking uh, the man of God in our midst, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Um, he, he attacked Master Far Muhammad. He's attacked the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And now he is attacking the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, as well as uh, some of his um, students. Um, in uh, at, at, at saying that, uh, why is the attack of the enemy focused on the three main areas? Point number 12, that we believe that Allah came in the person of Master Fahad Muhammad. Number two, the domestic life of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And number three, the murder of Malcolm X Shabazz or Malik El Shabazz, El Hajj Shabazz, excuse me. Why are those three areas do you think the enemy is uh, focusing on? Well, uh, of course, you know, the foundation is our point number 12. That is what uh, distinguishes us from all of other schools of thought in the Islamic world. Mm -hmm. that, that, is, that is what we have. And uh, the minister said this once, he said, Allah, he didn't travel 9,000 miles all by himself to put us in the back of the line of Islam. Mm -hmm. He came to give us the vanguard position. So what gives us the vanguard position is that every other school of thought of Islam can talk about praying to Allah, worshiping Allah, but none can teach on how Allah came in existence, his self-creation, and how you can become the Allah that you pray to, except through the guidance of of the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. So that, um, that is what breaks Satan's power when man gets on the quest to become a God. You break the stronghold of Satan's uh, power that, that has the whole world built or believing in mediocrity or the inability to become a master of everything. So you can't, you can't rule a God the way that the white, white supremacy rules us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Saint, so, so that it, it, it debunks all spookism when mm -hmm. you accept God as a man and then you identify that specific man that is the God of the time. Uh, and of course, the, um, the domestic life is is designed to try to find, uh, to create a moral infraction hmm. that will cause uh, the Negro's mind to feel like that they can dismiss the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as a divine teaching from God because he did something wrong. But he didn't do anything wrong. That's right. Everything he did was right. And we could take that subject in a little deeper uh, in the future. Yes. Nothing about the domestic life of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, was unclean, foul, dirty. He said that God had to force him into it. 
Yes, sir. And, and so the same religious people that say that they love David and love Solomon mm -hmm. and love Abraham and love Moses That's and right. all of them uh, were engaged in polygamy. Why? Because when Allah raises a messenger, he doesn't just bless the messenger's mind. He also blesses the messenger's seed. That's right. So it becomes a requirement for them to be able to produce uh, a maximum amount of offspring that will be born with inherited preparation in their DNA to bring about God's will on the planet. Mm -hmm. That is part of the assignment. And of course, you know, in a nutshell, Malcolm X assassination, they don't have any living Negro leader that they can put up against the minister to defeat him. So they have to resurrect one from the grave to put him up as a contender so that they may be able to say that we had something to do with his assassination. And they try to elude like the minister has something to do with it. Right. Knowing good and well, if the minister had any evidence about him, they would have been locked him up a long time ago. Long as, time ago. as the minister's foot's been in the enemy's behind for these, for, for these last 65 years. Yes, sir. They never would have let him be free. So mm -hmm. it is um, it is the magic trick, you know. Mm -hmm. It is the it is a weapon of mass deception that is designed to create at the minimum, at least, the weapon of mass distraction mm -hmm. to deter mm -hmm. our people's mind from being able to uh, accept this as their salvation and the only system of living that's going to get us back to becoming that proud, powerful, productive, and pious people we once were before we was kidnapped and brought to America and made slaves. Yes, so those, sir. Are, those are three. And they've got some other ones yes, uh, sir. that they use uh, too. But, you know, we thank Allah. We got a work to do. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, there wasn't a lot of articulation that was able to vindicate Jesus of the false charges that people made of him. Mm -hmm. But whenever the man said and the women could say, all I know is that I once was blind, but now I see. Another one said, I was lame, but now I'm walk. I walk. I was deaf, but now I'm here. I was dead, but now I live. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I'm going right back to us being the material witness we have to represent the power of the divine in the word by the way that our lives are being lived. That's right. There is no other group on the face of this earth that has a higher transformation rate mm -hmm. than the nation of Islam. That's right. Well, you know it from the Bible. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. That's right. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. You judge a tree by the fruit it bears and you judge a man by his, work. by his works. You mm -hmm. can't tell me that God is not the head of this nation and he doesn't have his Mahdi and Messiah in the person of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan that as divine entities mm -hmm. that are transforming human life like no other human being has ever done that's in the right. history of this planet. In the twinkling of an eye. Answer, answer that question. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm I'm with I'm I'm with Dame Dash. Whenever somebody asked him, they was trying to compare uh, Farrakhan to all the other black leaders that exist, and they start naming different ones. He said, "Oh no, you can't compare it. There ain't no comparison. Mm-hmm. No, there's no comparison." He said, "Name anybody you know that you can go to any city in America." and find people that are talking like, looking like, acting like, and, and dressing like other than Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, that sir. is, uh, you know, it is a sign that, that we, we are not perfect, but we are the most upright, intelligent, civilized, kind and courteous, diplomatic, and those uh, brothers and sisters that operate right with the highest level of integrity in this world mm-hmm. are FOI right. and MGT believers in the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a, a comment from a Facebook viewer, Christine Crowder. She says to you, Brother Nuri, uh, you are helping me, student minister, Brother Nuri. All praises due to Allah, Allah Akbar. So this fourth segment that we're getting ready to go into is social media. And Brother Hannibal, go ahead and take it over, sir. Social media also will be getting into the diet of God. I want to make sure everybody's aware of that part, the how to eat to live segment as well. Um, So for our listening audience, we just want to say thank you again for joining us here at Spotlight on Truth as we have our special guest, Brother Nuri Muhammad. And as we get ready, when we get to the closing out, he'll mention his website again, but I'm going to let you all know you can pick up his products at nurimuhammad.com. That's N-U-R-I. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D.com. Now, this question comes from one of my brothers. I love this brother dearly. He's probably going to be upset that I posed it, even though he wanted to know. Um, <laughs> as we may know, <laughs> as we, you know, as we may know this brother by the name of Brother Marcus um, W2X Hill, he was one of the brothers who put, put together a delegation a couple of years ago to sit with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the Masonic Lodge, um, yeah. as we see those beautiful pictures in the final call. His question is, has your growth and development matched the three stages of your name changes going from Damon X to Damon Muhammad to Nuri Muhammad? Um, I don't I don't think so yet. I'm I'm uh, I'm thankful to Allah, you know, a good a good name, as the prophet Isaiah said, a good name is better than silver and gold. Well, what do you use silver and gold for at the time of Isaiah? You used it as a medium of exchange. You use it to find something of value that you want that you consider to be more valuable than the silver and the gold that you have. So you have to put it to exchange and and get something of value for it. And I believe that, um, that when you are given a name you're not given a name because you are the full manifestation of that name, but you're given that name also like a father does to the newborn child. You're given the child a name that you would hope that they would strive to live up to. And it becomes a spiritual and a signature reminder of what you're supposed to be like every time someone says your name or you write your name or you say your own name. So um, the greatest physical light that exists in our universe uh, is the sun, you know, 93 million miles away. 
853,000 miles in diameter, burning at 14,072 degrees, one ray of light, 186,000 miles per second, can make it from the sun to the earth in eight minutes and 20 seconds or 500 seconds flat. So that, that's the, the great object uh, of, of light. That's, that's the physical nur, nur or nuri that, that you have. So I've tried my best, Brother Marcus, to be a student of the physical characteristics of the sun and see how I can transpose those in the spiritual characteristics that I can live up to myself. And I don't think that I'm, uh, uh, and I can't judge myself, of course, but I don't think that I am there yet uh, where that, that every time the light touches anything, it, it changes. Every time the light is unstoppable. You can't block it. It's going to get through eventually. And uh, the light from the sun, the sun actually is able to use the debris that's in the, in the atmosphere that comes from other planets and the waste from other planets as fuel for itself. So I'm striving uh, to manifest all of those qualities in the other ones as well. And I, you know, I'm unqualified to give myself my own report card. Uh, I'm still striving. And I pray to Allah that I can uh, get a good grade with Allah's apostle and the God before, you know, I leave the planet. And all praises be to a beautiful answer. Beautiful answer. I pray that you all heard that. And I hope that I hope that you all are enjoying the questions that are being posed right now. We have another question that's coming in from Facebook as well from Brother Hassan. Um, question is, after the Holy Quran, what would you say are the top two or three books that you read and study most often? Message to the black man. And uh, really, I, I, I'm, you know, it, it's something I learned one time at the with the minister he said that you should you shouldn't put any highlights in the holy quran i felt so bad i had been marking my quran all up i said oh i didn't say nothing you know i didn't i didn't come out and confess that i've been doing it but i said oh god look what he said he said if you are to highlight verses from the holy quran you're saying that there are verses that mean more than the other ones. Who are you to say which ones mean more than the other? Mm -hmm. The significance of a verse is based upon the, the, the circumstance that you face with. Mm -hmm. So one verse might be perfect for the condition or the circumstance of that moment. And another verse might be perfect for a different circumstance. How could you say one deserves to be highlighted and the other one does not? So I just feel, you know, so unqualified to be able to say, because the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad have been categorized under the title in five different books that I actually could say which one or two would be most important. I would say all of them are most important and equally uh, as important. Message to the black man, how to each live big one and two, 
our Savior Azariah, fall of America, and all of the written word that comes from the, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan inside the Final Call newspaper and also inside of all of the study guides uh, that we have, which are really designed for us to have divine introspection that we can begin to work out our own salvation and start administering the perfect prescription of this verse from the Bible, this verse from the Quran, this sand from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and this word from the minister as a, a remedy for the spiritual ills that we're suffering from. So, uh, you know, we say this in Islam, that we believe in all the messengers and all of the prophets, and we make no distinctions among any of them, meaning we don't put one above the other. So in that case, I believe in all of the messengers' books, all of the <laughs> ministers' messages, and all of the study guides, and I make no distinctions among any of them. They're all from Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Yes, sir. Praise wow. be to Allah. Oh, praise be to you. You want me to take the next one or you want to take this next question? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, in your last lecture at Mosque Marion, Brother Nuri, The Diet of God, you gave some very interesting facts from scripture relating to the ages of the old patriarchs. Yes. Please comment. Please comment. Well, what, what we have found uh, is that whenever you looked at the ancient long livers. Of course, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, he mentions uh, in How to Eat to Live that this human body is actually made of a material that can last 1,000 years. And he lifts, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad lifted Noah and Methuselah. Noah lived to be 930. Methuselah lived to be nine. 169. So we did a little research and dug into uh, when were people living long? Why were they living long? And what we found in the 10 generations from Adam to Noah, that the average life expectancy was 912 years of age. Now, what they were doing, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said that Methuselah and Noah Number one, you remember in the Bible, it said that God talking, he said that every herb bearing seed should be for you as me. Mm -hmm. So at that time, they didn't eat anything that didn't come out of the ground. There wasn't any uh, meat eaten, not even fish at that time. They only ate vegetables. They were vegetarians. Then the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said that Noah and Methuselah they ate one day and fasted three days, eating, eating approximately twice a week. Mm -hmm. And by eating twice a week, natural food that comes out the earth, and of course, uh, the pure milk from the cow, twice a week, they were able to have a life expectancy close to a thousand years. After the flood of Noah, not as a reward, but as a punishment. It says that God told them that they can now start eating meat, but they should not eat swine 
or the blood of any animal. So they still was eating kosher, halal, meat, blood drained, killed in a peaceful way, all the animals, no swine. But by bringing meat into the equation, and I don't know how much more they was eating, mm -hmm. but it life expectancy went uh, down to 317 over the next 10 generations. So you're talking about 600 year difference of life. Mm -hmm. So those were the mathematics. And uh, I got a call from the minister after that lecture. And I won't, I won't say what the things that he said because it will be for him to say it. I don't feel like I should be the one putting it out there, but he, uh, he really, really enjoyed it and had some great things to say uh, about the research and, and the message itself. But yeah, that's how it was. You yes, know, sir. this, yes, this is, it's a myth. We don't need that much food to eat like we think we do. That's right. That's right. Instead, of, instead of how to eat to live, we live to eat. That's right. <laughs> because it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you and know, I always say we got we to gotta do a remix where it says I walk not by 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 sight, but I but I walk by faith. We gotta say I eat not by taste, but but, but I eat by health. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and this this thing where you think you gotta have all these vitamins and supplements, and uh, you know the earth is devitalized and the soil ain't producing the same, and you know the carrot is sixty percent of the same carrot that it used to be in 1953 versus 2015. Yeah, all that might be true, but according to the long livers, how many nutrients, how much protein did they actually have in their diet if they only ate two meals in a week mm. and it was vegetarian meals? Mm -hmm. So you don't, we don't need uh, uh, as much food as we think. The real truth is the minister said your body is its own hospital. Yes, yes. And from the science of what we hear, from the way that they live, you opened your, your hospital for business by fasting more often. Mm -hmm. You give right. your body a chance to get rid of the poisons. And anybody that's ever fasted know that, that not only does fasting get rid of toxins in the blood, it also gets rid of toxins in your mind. Try mm -hmm. it out and see if I'm telling the truth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that fasting is a greater cure for all of our ills, both physical and mental, than yes, all sir. of the pills of this world put into a billion bottles or to put into one bottle. Nothing yes. beats nothing beats fasting yes, as sir. a cure for physical and mental illness. Yes, sir. Go right ahead, Brother Hannibal. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you again, student minister. Nine. Oh, um, Allah. Over the last six months, um, through the grace of Allah, I've actually been on every other day. And oh, I thank yeah. a lot for yeah. it. It was a process, you know, I'm humble. I'm enjoying it. I have good days. I have bad days. Last week, we, we discussed it on Spotlight on Truth. I uh, want a nice panel and everything. My question, um, what I recognized was the set mind and the discipline of doing it. So my question is, what recommendations can you provide to strengthen discipline for those who want to start eating healthier for a better life? Man, I wish I could find this uh, quote but I can tell you it's in How to Eat to Live, book one. The Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that within one week, you can eat one meal a day and within one week, you can go to one meal every other day. 
So it doesn't take really but discipline and consistency for one week in order for you to be able to be uh, strong enough to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've always learned that it takes 21 days to break a bad habit and replace it with a new one. But here, the body adjusts in one week. You can get used to it in one week. And I would suggest that the same formula that we talked about earlier, and we also mentioned in the diet of God, whatever you are trying to do, start getting more evidence on the benefits of it. That's good if it came from God and it'll give you strength, mental muscle to stay consistent with your task. And whatever is tempting you, if, if you have an inappropriate relationship with food, which is what the problem is. Yeah, we're inappropriate. Most people are, there's only two reasons to eat. That's for nutrition and for emotions. Most people aren't eating for nutritional deficiency. We're eating for emotional deficiency. Mm-hmm. Got to be very careful. Very careful whenever you are, are eating food and, 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 and you're really not nutrient deficient because you're trying to, you're actually trying to feed something else that mm-hmm. food will never be able to satisfy. That's right. Yeah. So, so the emotional eating, we, you know, we've been trained uh, in, in America. It don't matter what emotion it is, whatever the emotions are, eat. So we at the wedding, we celebrating new marriage. What are we going to do afterward? We're going to eat. We eat. Somebody died. Funeral. We said opposite emotion. We're going to repass. What are we going to do with a repass? We eat. We're going to eat. Your child play, plays uh, little, little league baseball or, or, or plays football. They won the championship. What are we going to do? We taking the whole team to CC's Pizza. <laughs> All you can eat. All you can eat. <laughs> Guess what? That's right. Your, your, your son plays f- football. They lost the championship. What are we going to do? That's okay. We're going to take everybody to CC's Pizza. <laughs> so whether we win or lose, whether it's a new life beginning or, or a life that's left, whether we're happy or sad, we answer with food every single time. We become emotional eaters with the inappropriate relationship with food. The minister said in one of his messages, if you can get control of this, he says, stomach to stomach. You can control this, you can control anything. If you can master your stomach, you can master any, anything. Yes, sir. So this discipline, is discipline, I'm telling you, if you can dethrone king stomach. Come on. Yes. Dethrone them. That's right. Dethrone queen appetite. Mm -hmm. And watch and see how much more powerful you are in all other areas of life. If you can put in check the natural, you can smash anything unnatural that's against your life. So that's the great science of it. And and, uh, just keep getting more evidence on the benefits of it. Study the benefits of fasting. Study the benefits of eating one meal a day. Starting off with how to eat to live. Taking that as your, your study. Read a little bit every day. Then you get you some scientific analysis on the benefits of fasting. 
the, the white man don't want to give the messenger the credit. They call it intermittent fasting or caloric restriction. Yeah. Exactly. But it's one meal a day. That's right. You know, intermittent fasting. You just have a little window of time. And the best window of time is a two-hour window of time. In the evening time, that's where you get the most optimal results. That's the white boy talk. Come on. Teach but the most honorable Elijah Mama said eat one meal a day. And the best time to eat is between 4 and 6 p.m. Right. So, so you, you know, we we already have it. Uh, we shouldn't need, you know, the stamp of approval from my enemy to validate what God gave to our man. And it always bothers me every time I see people trying to verify a truth that the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad or the minister said, and they say, and and we got the receipts. <laughs> Every time the receipts show up, it's something some white man said. Right. <laughs> well, I don't need no quote from no white man. No. That ain't a receipt. Show me a scripture. Come on. Show me, show me something from, from the word of God. That's a receipt for me to hell with what the scientists have to say. But if you need, you know, Mr. McGillicuddy and them to be able to put their stamp of approval and notarize. What, what the messenger of God taught, go get as much of it as you can. They will bear witness to the truth. But really all you need to know is that there's no God but Allah. Mm -hmm. And Muhammad <laughs> is his messenger. And obedience to that messenger is obedience to Allah. Respect for that messenger mm -hmm. is respect, respect for Allah. If I want to know what God thinks, I got to go to the one that's carrying the message of God. Come on, and you part. do that, you'll be all right. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Next question from Facebook, Brother Hannibal. Go ahead. We have two of them. Um, one was a text message I received from one of our doctors, um, Sister, Doc, um, Sister Dr. Jennifer A. Muhammad. Uh, she says, well, the question is, thank you for this conversation. Naturally, a sister's age naturally as sisters age, they go through menopause, which, which is well-spoken in the medical community. And there are a lot of support for this change of life event. However, brothers, as they, as they age, they go through andropause. And among younger men, this occurs, this occurs due to drugs, alcohol, chronic conditions, or dietary issues. These changes are causing issues with intimacy in marriages. What resources or advice would you give to married couples, especially brothers, to confront this change of life? Sister, Doc, Sister Dr. Jennifer A. Muhammad. Well, that's, that's wonderful. You know, if, if we were to be a better practitioner, uh, and, and what, what unfortunately, um, I, was, I was listening to the minister once, he was helping someone that was struggling uh, with their performance in their post and listen to his formula that he gave them. He said they wanted to resign and the minister said, well, I'm not going to accept your resignation. I want you to try something first. He said, I want you to go home and think about when were you your happiest in your Islam? Mm. and whatever you were doing go back to doing it again well that person 
followed the minister's advice and did it and was able to work out and restore themselves in a strong, strong faith. The problem with us, Sister Jennifer, is that a lot of times we do better in the beginning. And then as time goes on, we began to deviate and get more lax as we get older. The truth is that the older we get, the more disciplined we should become, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I believe that a high percentage of the andropause and the menopause for both male and female is not just the men from their diet and drugs, et cetera, but it's also connected, menopause with women is also connected to the chemical imbalance that is produced in the brain by having a chemical imbalance of thoughts and food that have gone into the body over the course of time. So what we have to do, if you know that for us, the owner's manual, that, that, that age reversing disease preventing, life and life more abundantly handbook for the original people, the owner's manual for life is how to eat to live. If we know this, then look at the basic introductory level of expression of how to eat to live, and then look at the highest manifestation of how to eat to live. Basic introduction, don't eat no swine, eat one meal a day, fast three days out of a month. That's introductory. Then you take it to another level. You eat one meal every other day, and it's how, not what, so you still might have some of those what's in there that are animal products that don't have blood in them or fish every other day. However, the highest expression of how to eat to live, the most disciplined expression is eating one meal, vegetarian meal, fasting three days, and then eating another meal and fast three days. That is the highest manifestation. And I think that if we use gradualism as the key to our mastery of and began to mature in our expression of discipline as we began to mature in age, then we could offset aging by increasing our discipline. Mm-hmm. But if the way we've been operating is opposite of that. The older we get, the more lax we get in our discipline. The more inactive we become, the more we began to eat stuff that we shouldn't be eating. No, it should be the other way around. Whatever we were doing when we were new, it should be constantly, gradually getting better over time. And I think if we upgraded our discipline, uh, in those categories of not just diet, but in our spiritual discipline, our morals, our people skills, as well as the way we think and act, if that got better over time, instead of as normal, getting worse, then we could check andropause, menopause, diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension. Sarah, I just read about Sarah yesterday. Sarah had her first child at 91. Mm -hmm. 
And mm. she didn't die after she had it. Mm. 91. Mm, mm, mm. Moses, there's a verse in the scripture that talks about Moses. I think he didn't live. I think he lived to be 120. But it says that when Moses, before Moses died at 120, that he had not lost any of his strength or his faculties. I mean, he was still operating and moving, sane, functioning, and strong right before he checked out. So that there, there, there's a, you know, we have to be careful, uh, brothers and sisters, listening to a whole bunch of URs that are not in accord with the will and the word of God. Because the more URs that come from inferior thinking, mediocre-minded, defeated people that you start listening to, whether it's mama, daddy, teacher, whoever it is. The more you are as you hear when you're younger, the more negative I am's you begin to suggest to yourself whenever you become an adult. And it is those negative I am's that really have you locked into these conditions and living in a life where you don't think you can manifest greatness uh, because you got a little gray hair or you got a couple of extra digits added to your calendars. No, you can do it. The message said it takes 75 years just to learn how to live. That's right. So much, much more can be done than what we are doing if we get rid of that stinking thinking and all these uh, self-defeating concepts that have been installed and downloaded in our minds by the dumb people in our life, all our life, telling us you are, that now have become regurgitated and you saying I am and something negative. So it's, it's on us to make that change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Next question. Go ahead, Brother Hannibal. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Audience, I, I really pray, we really pray that you're paying attention to how well you're being fed today and this evening. I just want to remind us all that the principles we are hearing from student minister Nuru Muhammad, they're interchangeable between the relationship and the dietary law, the diet that he's breaking down. So we take the same principles in our diet and use it within our marriage, and we use the same principles our marriage in our diet, we can really see how they work hand in hand based off the principles that he's giving us. This is the last question we're going to pose. I know there's quite a few coming in right now, but out of respect for time, we don't want to hold up our brother and take him beyond the time of our show. So the last question we have is coming from Facebook, and it's coming from Brother Gerald Hall. And the question is, there's a lot, excuse me, there is a saying, you usually find your mate when you're not looking. Scriptures say a man um, who, finds a fi- who finds a wife finds a good thing. Can you actually find your mate without actually looking? Can Allah draw them to you? And he, and he ends with a thanks. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. D all of the above can happen. The, um, there's a verse in the Holy Quran in the 24th chapter, 32nd verse. I believe, or right around the 32nd verse. And it says, and marry those among you and those who are fit. And then it goes on with some other writings. And then the next verse says this, and if you cannot find a mate, then keep chaste. What does that mean? Stay moral, stay righteous, no fornicate, no adultery. 
Start, don't, don't do no plan around. Keep your discipline. Keep chase until Allah blesses you with a spouse out of his grace. So it's both sides because he's saying if you cannot find, which means that he does approve of you having an open eye to look for someone that may be the mate or the match that you're supposed to be with for the rest of your life. But don't force the issue. Just observe, look, interview, court, see if it is. And if it's not, it's not. No harm, no foul, you keep moving. Keep your discipline. And what Allah is telling us, God is saying that I am a matchmaker. If you don't find the one on your own, don't worry about it. I can see better than you. That's right. <laughs> I, matter, of fact, matter of fact, the stuff you're going to ask them may not even get out of them what's in them, but I already know what's in them and don't have to ask them nothing. Mm -hmm. So I know their heart. I know their motive. I know their, their purpose. I know their function. I know their background. I know everything that they've been through and what it's made them into to determine whether or not this is the right one for you. So keep chased mm -hmm. until Allah blesses you out of his grace with a spouse. So he is a matchmaker. We have to invest more time, Brother Gerald, in actually trying to, to be the counterpart of the mate we think we want than we do in trying to find the mate that will be the counterpart to the person that we are. Does that make sense? That makes a whole lot of sense. So you can't want a Khadija and not be trying to be a Farrakhan. Come on, <laughs> Come on now. That part. <laughs> you can't. You you can't want to to be uh, a Sarah or want want a Abraham and not try to be like a Sarah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whatever kind of mate you want. Invest your energy trying to be that counterpart. And then Allah, out of his grace, will see your development. And then he will bless you out of his grace uh, with that spouse. Picking on your own. Uh, you know, it's only so much that the Carfax report's going to give you. That's right. Yeah, I said, yeah, I didn't hear that. It's only so <laughs> much the Carfax report's going to give you. That's right, brother. <laughs> So you still you, want to sell the car. <laughs> you do you do you do want it, but you got you know it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but the Lord of Worlds does know. So you, you have to keep your discipline. And uh Allah will bless you out of his grace with a spouse. Put yourself into environments where that ideal mate would grow from. You can't you, you can't want a nice virtuous help me and you at the club trying to find her right they're not they're not that that's not where you plant that kind of person yes you know? sir so you you have to be in environments that are actually consistent with producing the kind of persons that you're looking for uh and and live your life and as you move through life if it's meant to be allah will send you that one but spend all your time trying to be the counterpart to the one you're looking for, more so than trying to find someone that's a counterpart for who you are. 
All praise is due to Allah. Brother Nuri, I want to thank you. Sister uh, Bashira Muhammad just reported that Mother Evelyn is listening to the show today, listening oh, to man. you and, and what you had to say. I want to kiss her on the forehead. And <laughs> yes, yes. Just put the biggest smile on my face. I was That's just right. looking at a picture mm -hmm. uh, two and a half weeks ago on these phone on the phones. Now they have a, a feature that shows you three or four different images every so so often, mm -hmm. every day, and it pulled up not not too long ago, two and a half weeks ago, a picture of me and Mother Evelyn that I took when I was in Arizona. Oh, praises due to Allah. Yes, sir. I was praises happy then and I'm even happier now. Yes, sir. That, that Allah has blessed us with such a beautiful soul uh, yes, for sir. our nation. Brother Nuri, uh, student minister, I'd like to have you uh, make any closing comments and how people can reach you if they want to pick up your, your, your wonderful books uh, or tapes that you have uh, produced. How would they get in touch with you as you make your closing comments? Thank you, sir. Well, first of all, uh, Brother Abdul Iman and Brother Hannibal, again, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be a part and a partner with you on this wonderful platform. And I pray that we were able to uh, bless the listeners and yes, edify sir. all that came on board today. Of course, you know, we're knickknacking through several subjects and several questions. We can't get to it all. Yes, sir. But if you would like to get more of, you know, what I call news that you can use <laughs> Come on that now. you heard today, then uh, go to NuriMuhammad.com and you will find uh, my, I have five books that are on there that are available. Uh, and I have over 200 lectures that are available. 75 of them you can just purchase and they're automatic MP3 downloads that you can share with as many people as you want for a 30 day window of time. Mm. But the lectures will come right to your computer and you can put them on your phone, right to your, sometime right to your phone. Music mix lectures are there. Uh, also I have a, a album that we just dropped uh, last March or last February, it's called the Black Excellence Manifesto. Mm. And this is a mixture of teaching and uh, hip hop artists as well as singers that are singing and rapping to the same thing, themes that I'm teaching to with our own original beats. And you can find the Black Excellence Manifesto uh, on all streaming platforms. Apple Music, Google Music, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, Music, Tidal, all streaming platforms have the album. Go download it. And even if you don't want to buy it, go to YouTube and just play it. And uh, it will, of course, help generate revenue uh, for us as well. But NuriMuhammad.com and that album, you get the books, you get lectures, uh, et cetera. And I can't wait to come back out there to be with you all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We oh, love great. to have you come out to be with us again. I can't lovely. wait. I can't wait. Thank y'all so much uh, for, for you know, allowing us to be together. And let's do it again soon. Yes, sir. Inshallah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. May Allah bless you continually, Brother Nuri, and your family, your children, 
and grandchildren to come, you know, and may your name be one of those names that are etched in the history of the nation of Islam as you and we stand with the Messiah in these last days to wage war against Satan as Michael in the book of Revelation would stand to wage war with this beast. So That's thank right. you again. May Allah bless you and keep you. And I greet you in peace. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Student minister, you, you, you forgot a few, few, just a few other things right there. I, wow. I appreciate oh. that. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, next, yeah. Next, next week's next week's guest. Excuse me. <laughs> next week's guest will be none other than our general counsel, brother, student minister Abdul Araf Muhammad. He will be on the show next week. And today's show was sponsored by NOIShirts.com. And we have a little clip on that, brother Hannibal. No, sir, we don't have a clip on it. Okay. On. Yes, sir. But uh, NOIShirts.com, you can go there to pick up your uh, NOI gear, uh, caps, shirts, and, and the such. Okay? So thank you again, brothers and sisters that have viewed with us today and listened. Thank you for being with us. May Allah bless us. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam.